Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And as always, just thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all of your amazing feedback on our social media and those five-star reviews. And we're going to kind of just jump right in today because we have really exciting guest speakers today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're always blessed to have really interesting, smart, cool people come into the show and also explore really a lot of topics that are very much related to relationships mm-hmm. and some topics that are just like, you know, hey, here's something that's really interesting, really important for you to check out and see if it's something that might, you know, be useful for you and your your path of wellness. And so today we have two guests. I'm going to sort of introduce them both at the same time. And then if you guys would tell a little bit about yourself, our first is Tim Mills. Tim is the owner of a broad-based mental health facility here in Tucson called Cathexis. He's also the owner of a new facility that he's opened called Cathexis Psychedelics, which is sort of where our topic is today mm-hmm. we're going to go into. And as always, we also want to say that he is, you know, his other stuff, he's a he's a therapist, uh, he's a husband, he's a father, he also is a amateur handyman, and uh, we also had a discussion that he's a uh, Whataburger enthusiast before the show began. <laughs> he knows the whole history. Hi, Tim. Uh, with an introduction like that, what there can I go. say? And then uh, along with him is Tracy Grab. She's a licensed professional counselor. She's at Cathexis as well. And she is a psychedelic integration specialist. She's a mother and amateur interior decorator. We just found out as well. Welcome, Tracy and Tim. Thank you. I think we should say that three times. Psychedelic. What is it? Psychedelic integration specialist. Like, okay. And, And she's the intelligent, interesting one that you mentioned being here today. It, she's, is, Thank you, <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't fulfill that criteria. It's always nice just to hear about you, a little bit about your background, how you got into the mental health field. Um, do you mind starting, Tim? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So self-diagnosed ADHD, I think anybody who knows me would agree. One of those didn't know what I want to be when I grow up. Started out working from high school. My first job, actually, in high school was driving around buying beer for 7-Eleven, trying to bust the people on the counter for selling a minor beer oh. and they'd get fired on the spot. You so. were you were like a professional narc. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, moved on, ended up finishing high school, went into Marine Corps, did that for a while, got out, went back to school, got my bachelor's in business, got a job at a bank, was a bank manager for several years. Uh, my wife Susie and I had our first child, decided to move out here to Tucson to be here with her family. And uh, at that point, just started wandering around in jobs, worked for Microsoft, worked for a security guard company for a while, and then decided, really, what is it I want to do with my life? And that's when I got back into going to counseling. Had a couple classes with UEJ, so I remember that overlapping, and uh, then went to work for some agencies in town. We overlapped at a place where we worked before for a little bit, and... uh, that's just kind of led me here. Yeah, you had a long and winding road into the uh, mental health field as well. Yeah, yeah a lot of uh, other life experience I get to draw into I think my that's career. fantastic. Not just because that was me too, but, mm-hmm. but I think <laughs> it is a, it's you nice to have, have that background coming in. Very nice. Thank you, Tim. Have Tracy, mind sharing? Absolutely. It was at some point after I had my first child that I recognized I really wanted to work with women and children in some capacity. Initially, I started out thinking 
well, if I want to work with children, maybe being a teacher would be something I'd like to do. So I did start my education in that way and then very quickly realized how many people would come and talk to me about issues and would want direction or understanding or assistance in some way. And I can't remember who suggested being a counselor, and it really resonated with me. And so I moved in re-careering into that from being a cruise travel specialist and have enjoyed it ever since. It's the perfect fit for me. And then coming out and then doing our internship, our practicum internship, I began working with a lot of mandated adults. Mm -hmm. So basically parents whose children had been removed by DCS or those that were in probation and had probationary requirements to attend therapy. And then from there, moved over to another agency that was truly children and family oriented and really grew from there. And that's where I met Tim and then have kind of moved up in the world. And then I had an event happen with my oldest, a medical event that was really tragic for her. Mm. But it allowed me the opportunity to realize and reflect, I really want to get back to working with people Mm -hmm. and not overseeing people. Mm -hmm. And so I made a transition. Thanks to Tim and Susie, I was able to come on board to Cathexis, and it's been blooming ever since. Well, thank you both. I mean, this is such an interesting topic, and so I think we want to, like, dive right in. And I I think maybe a good entryway, though, is, you know, you – you had a counseling facility, uh, Cathexis, which is, you know, sort of traditional counseling, right? Mm-hmm. A broad base offering services to a lot of people. But then you, you've you sort of had this this new business adventure and also just this new approach to helping people. Like, how did that yeah. originate? You know, why did that originate? Yeah, it started for me probably about five or six years ago. And it was just browsing Reddit a lot and just seeing article after article of research coming out on the effects of ketamine-assisted therapy and MDMA-assisted therapy, and that's Mm -hmm. going through trials with MAPS, the uh, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. I think they're in their second phase three trial right now. And uh, just seeing the positive results and personal experience never, I mean, when I was like eight years old, I was in Little League and I went behind the concessions dugout and picked up like a used cigarette butt and, you know, put it in my mouth and tried it (laughs) to be cool and like... (laughs) Never again. Didn't like it. Yeah, and that's probably my the extent of uh, chemical altered, <laughs> altered states of, yeah. of altered state for me. That that was enough. But just reading how effective this appeared to be, and so I just kind of kept an eye on it. And then I started seeing personal testimonials. And then you know, fast forward another couple of years, I start running into some people and mm-hmm. expressing, you know, no, this is legit. I was like. There's got to be something into this. We've got to look into it. And it's just kind of um, Susie and I traveled to Colorado, to California to see a couple other mm-hmm. providers. We got, got some training. And just the more we dug into it, the more it's like, you know, and I don't want to say it's a panacea, but there's right. something to this. Just just for clarification purposes, what is the research showing around what it's helping um, in particular, I mean, it depends on the, the drugs right now. And, okay. and then it also depends on, you know, how they set up the research. They have to research a specific, right. you know, malady, if you will. So um, they're learning more and more. There's so many studies that are coming out now. 
Um, in particular with ketamine, they noticed, and this is how ketamine started, actually was a anesthetic uh, mm-hmm. developed in like 1962 or something, mm-hmm. and uh, got FDA approval for use in humans in 1970. And at that point, they started noticing like people who would have be in crisis or something, and, and suicidality mm-hmm. was a piece of it. After the ketamine, they wouldn't have suicidality for an extended period of time. Right. So that's one of the real particular things about ketamine is it seems to really help with the suicidality. Wow. Um, right now it's been studied with treatment-resistant depression. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things about ketamine is that it works a little bit differently than the typical pharmacology. The typical pharma works on SSRIs, mm-hmm. selective mm-hmm. serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And I think the newer generations even add nor, uh, norepinephrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, ketamine works on the GABA and the glutamate neurotransmitters. Okay. And what they're kind of like the guy, they're kind of like the doormen. Yeah. So um, what GABA does is on between the synapses, you know, the, the neurotransmitters mm-hmm. have to go between them to, to carry the message or the electrical current. The GABA one, let me make sure I get this right because I'm not a neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. The GABA one is kind of like the the uh, door guard. He's the big guy that blocks the door. Mm-hmm. So he plugs up the uptake. So basically, if you've got a, a like an alert signal going through the neurons, he can block it and stop it. Okay. So he inhibits or mm-hmm. stops the signal. And the glutamate is the other guy. He's, he's the nice guy that's always holding the door open for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he allows all the neurons to flood in. And so the way it operates on those <laughs> has some really interesting effects that is different than the way you're targeting the actual serotonin and norepinephrine. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm definitely not my strength, probably terror is more so about like how drugs interact with the brain and in and, and the context of mental health. But I know like a lot of like a lot of things like we don't even know why they work or why they right. do the things that they do, you know, is that, is that similar with psychedelics or is it, is it a little more like they have an idea of, of the experience it's creating or the, you know, the neurochemical experience it's creating that is uh, helpful in, in, in someone who is suffering from depression or anxiety or suicidality? That's a great question. And I think some of it, they're learning more as they go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's always the question, do we know, you know, are we still, in the Middle Ages, with uh, neuropharmacology, where we're at the equivalent of putting slugs on for a good bloodletting, you know. <laughs> so there's there's always going to be that question. I'm looking at the results, and I'm looking at people's testimonies, yeah, yeah. and then lately I'm looking at what I see and what I witness, and right. whatever it is, um, I kind of think of it as like a computer. So long we've been looking at like the amygdala and the hippocampus and. And all these structures, kind of like you'd look at the parts of a computer, mm-hmm. but we don't look at the software, which is the ones and zeros, the information going along them. And I think that's an important piece of it. It kind of gets overlooked yeah. and maybe we'll get there someday. Well, you, you've you come along for the ride, Tracy. Like you've jumped in on this as well. I mean, what was appealing mm-hmm. to you? Like, why did you decide like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to sort of be a part of this as well. I really have my own journey with psychedelics as of recent, um, especially after my oldest medical issues and walking down a different road with her because the SSRIs for treatment-resistant depression were not working. Mm. So I have to really give it to my oldest because she took me on this path, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And in this path, my own experiences were profound. And I was able to work through even some of the 
underdeveloped areas of my life, but that were also part of maybe that I wasn't performing to my best ability every day. Mm -hmm. And so within that kind of frame of reference, I realized at some point I did want to get into psychedelics, whether it be ketamine or psilocybin once that is approved. And I had made mention of it to Tim maybe a year before, and I hadn't realized they were working behind the scenes at that time. And so when they came to me and asked if I wanted to be a part of this, I immediately said yes. That was an, it was an automatic response. And for me, having been through the ketamine as an experiential and training, it was profound. I had a profound situation happen where my mom had passed a few weeks before the training, and the relationship was really rocky. So I was left with a lot of grief and loss and unanswered questions, and almost really putting a lot of pressure on myself. Why didn't I do things differently this way? How about that way? With ketamine, once I was in that experiential, my mom was a big part of it. And the relief that I got from her passing was profound. Mm -hmm. Profound in a way that I immediately left the first ketamine session and felt more of a sense of wonder and peace and that life is wonderful, it can be wonderful. So the ketamine really allowed me to silence kind of yeah. the gatekeeper there that frets and worries about everything and just brings to light what really I needed to look at. Yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that, but that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was huge for you. It was astounding. Right. I mean, I just, profound is the best way that I can describe it. And then as my family experienced me after having two experiential treatments, they noticed the calm, they noticed the brightness in my face, I was smiling a lot more, and life didn't feel heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, it felt so heavy going into that. And so both of those experiences, one being really dark, and then the second experience being very light, it actually was really reflective of where I was going and lifting all that pain and suffering off. Now, traditional therapy, which I do, can take a really long yeah. time because, again, that gatekeeper is holding us back from really getting deeper. And within ketamine, it lifted up what needed to be lifted up. And I could process it a little bit with even, you know, my own therapist and, you know, having friends as therapists mm -hmm. was very helpful. And so I was even integrating afterwards. And I noticed that the more I talked about it, the more I integrated what I was feeling, the years, full disclosure of trauma and abuse that I've went through, it felt like all of those gates had fallen down. And I got to experience life in the moment. The worrying and the fretting went away. Yeah. Mm. And again, just profound. Oh. And I was sold. After that training, it yeah. was really made clear to me, as like Tim was saying, that this is what we want to be doing. Treatment-resistant depression, mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, addiction work even. And, you know, even as of recently, you know, really seeing what the effect could be within a couple yes. of doing this kind of work mm -hmm. together and mm -hmm. how a relationship can change for the better yeah. because of what comes up 
and the yeah. bonding of the experience, that has changed me dramatically, even more yeah. so that I can see this is what we want to do for people. Give them the relief that maybe they've been in therapy for years and yeah. haven't been able to get or treatment-resistant depression. I think about my daughter having many, many different meds mm -hmm. thrown at her mm -hmm. and that the shift is profound in a shorter period of time. And then the work afterwards is, important. Yeah. is yeah. amazing. It's, yeah. it's so different, right? It is a, a powerful pharmacological, I wouldn't imagine doing it without the therapy. And of course, I'm biased as a therapist. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. But I think the integration, just the experience you have in that, and then going back and reviewing, you know, what it is that basically you're, you're opening up the unconscious to talk to you. It's similar to dream work or, mm -hmm. or Sandray, which I absolutely adore Sandray yeah. work. Mm -hmm. But it's that same kind of thing. You're, you're opening avenues to your unconscious. And then when you're able to kind of look at that and look at the symbolism and look at the meanings you place into those symbols and how they're organized and what message is behind that. Right. That's the ongoing healing. You know, the, right. the ketamine is the door. And this is the work the that healing, can yeah. that can really you can do that maybe in traditional therapy is is a lot more guarded. So can I ask a question really quick? Yeah, go for it. Because I always know how powerful it is when you're able to have that experience, <clears throat> stand by it because you know how impactful and profound it was. Um, what have you noticed like across? Because I'm sure you have a very diverse group of people coming in to get ketamine treatment. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you say? I mean, is it all different? Does it look the same? Like, how would you for for our listeners? Like, how would you kind of describe what you've seen outside of when you've done it yourself? Yeah, and in, in you're you're tapping into an important point. Is it can be a very unique and tailored experience. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people like myself and. I had some school bullying, trauma, disclosure, stuff like that, but I had a relatively stable childhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me, when I, because we had to, in our being ketamine trained to be a ketamine therapist, there's an experiential piece of it. And so when I went through my experiential piece, it was just kind of giggling. And I'm not going to say it wasn't like, it wasn't a deep trauma kind of thing, or it wasn't a depression or an anxiety thing, but it did kind of expand my appreciation for life. Mm. I remember when I was in the state of it, being at this point where it was like, I could die right now and I'm completely okay with it. Wow. And I can't mm -hmm. imagine, you know, in in our normal no. default state of not having that survival anxiety and how much oh, that okay. affects what you do. And it's there for a reason. I mean, obviously we're we're geared to stay alive. But to have that experience and how profound that was to to be able to then look at the world from this, right. you know, almost Buddhist, absolute detached state mm. was really cool. Yeah. And some of that I take with me today. So sure. it's helped. In, and again, through the integration. integration. that. Mm -hmm. And so Tim's talking also about that non-ordinary state of consciousness that ketamine affords us. And in that space, what comes up when the worrying and the fretting goes away and we don't have control of what's coming up, it, whatever appears, is meant to appear at that time. And that's basically the garden that you get to start to work in, so to speak. Well, that was interesting. I 
just tying together two things you talked about from different sides was Tim, you first started talking about uh, it was glutamate and another uh-huh. neurochemical that like kind of are the gatekeepers and the letter, you know, letting in, keeping yeah. out. And then you talked about this experience where all of those barriers are sort of like experientially, you experience that like of being blasted away. And it sounds like that's at its essence, what you've experienced and what you're facilitating people to experience is just this like sort of removal of a lot of the infrastructure that we create to sort of like, you know, keep us all packaged in together. So whatever it is though, that when you remove all those obstacles, it's going to be highly tailored to who that individual is. And I think it's like, that must be really interesting as clinicians of like, you don't know what's behind, you know, curtain number two, right? (laughs) That's right. That's a great way to explain it, It EJ. It really is. And, you know, back to Tara, to your original question, we are tailoring the integration piece. It is person specific. Mm -hmm. Not every person that will come in comes in with the same intention. What comes up for us isn't going to be the same. We might go into it thinking, I'd like to work on being more open. That may not necessarily (laughs) be what ketamine brings up for you. It might know something more important that you need to address. That's right. And and the importance of intention is is there. You still want to go in. And I like to tell people, you know, or suggest to people maybe going in and saying, I'd like to be open to what comes up. Right. You know, but having an intention is wonderful. You need that. And then afterwards, we take what comes up and your intention and see how we can connect those if they are connectable or what came up is much more important. Now let's set up a treatment plan to begin to work on that. And then the work is also accelerated. I want to make that really clear for people. This isn't five, six, seven years of therapy. Now you're targeting some areas, and because of the ketamine, it stays with us, and so we mm-hmm. can still kind of process through. We have a new outlook. Like when Tim said, you know, things just look different. You know, life seemed different. Yeah. I remember after mine, I mean, the trees look different, the leaves, the plants, the yeah. birds, mm-hmm. you know, everything just it just looked brighter. And so with that mindset, right, then we can go in and start to delve into areas and work on them and even discuss maybe at some point a few more ketamine sessions would really Mm -hmm. bring that person even further up from what they've been stuck in and they get to live a fuller life. Well, and and I remember when, so you guys had come to our staff meeting to kind of introduce yourself and talk about your ketamine wellness center, your cathexis psychedelics. And I remember thinking, wow, this is so interesting. And you guys could have probably been at our office for six hours and all the questions that all of our Mm -hmm. clinicians had to ask would not have been answered. But I remember thinking like, you know, because we're our frontal lobe, we are just on all the time. We can avoid, we can deflect, we can busy ourselves. And it's like, and how I, and I might be getting this wrong, but how I perceived it is like, imagine being able to have your frontal lobe shut off and what and see what is under there because I'm really good and I have a lot of clients who are really good at being in their executive functioning brain. Mm-hmm. Hence, avoiding a lot of stuff that we really don't want to feel because we don't like to be uncomfortable. That's right. No, yeah. absolutely. And I think too with with ketamine when it brings up what it brings up, 
in therapy, traditional therapy, I always leave the session wondering what I didn't hear, what that frontal lobe blocked them from bringing up because they may not believe that they're capable of managing it, Mm -hmm. dealing with it, talking about it. That goes away with ketamine. It's amazing. So so let's just like... um contextualize this a little bit for a listener because there's a lot I mean there there are some people who have some idea about about psychedelics and ketamine and and some people like have no idea. So you opened Cathexis Psychedelics, um, but I assume because of state laws right now, the only legal psychedelic really is ketamine, right? Yeah, we have no interest in losing our our license yeah. to operate at this point. That's um, right. I have it complete- is legal. <laughs> yeah, the ketamine <laughs> is legal. I have completed the training with MAPS for MDMA-assisted therapy. So if things go the way they are going and the results continue showing what they're showing, FDA is slated to hopefully approve that as a clinical drug in like 2025, I think. Okay. And at that point, it'll be the people who are running maps, Rick Doblin and company, they have a for-profit wing that they've set up that's going to actually be kind of in charge of administering and, and overseeing who can do the MDMA-assisted therapy sure. to make sure that there's the proper controls that it's done sure. out into mm-hmm. to the public the way it was tested. Mm-hmm. And so I've gone through that program. So currently, you know, in Arizona and probably in a lot of states, if somebody is interested in that psychedelic experience being integrated into their therapeutic work, they're probably going to go and have a ketamine treatment, correct? Right. So so an individual calls you guys up. They say like, hey, I'm interested in this. What is the process like? You know, what, what, how do they enter the stream and what can they expect? You know, that really is... I'm going to give a, a shout out to Tim's wife, Susie Mills. Susie, she's And here. Susie Mills has been building the program with our psychiatric nurse practitioner. We have okay. great staff around us and have, you know, there's a there are protocols out there. And yeah. so we follow those protocols. So we definitely first want to screen people to make sure that they are qualified to have ketamine. Mm-hmm. If you have untreated high blood pressure, you know, things of that nature. Um, If there are some psychotic mood disorders, Mm -hmm. you know, that could, you know, really be a rule out. So before somebody even gets into the office, we're making sure that they have the understanding through our website about what this would look like and do you qualify. And then they'd fill out the paperwork and then we move forward with assigning it to a psychedelic integration specialist And then somebody like myself would get in contact with the client and would work with them. And if the psychiatric nurse practitioner has reviewed the additional paperwork they've turned in and has approved them, then we're setting up the first session. So medical screening approval is very important. And mental health, yeah. step once we get initial paperwork and even really getting a full intake packet. It's a pretty safe drug. Um, It is DEA Schedule 3, so there is some potential for addiction. That does concern me with some of the infusion clinics and and other places that come around. Um, You can even order ketamine trochies, oral tablets, basically online. And so I don't know what the oversight is on stuff like that, and I think that's going to be inevitable. There's going to be profiteers off of this. And that's something the field has to manage responsibly. But overall, it's a safe drug. Hypertension is the one thing that they monitor for. Mm -hmm. And then on the psychological piece, we want to make sure 
essentially that we get a sense that they have the ego state. Mm. Um, so if there's family history or personal history of psychosis to where we think going into an altered state might trigger something where the reality testing is really going to be challenged and they might, you know, kind of have an uptick of that, then we're going to pre-screen that out. We're going to see about doing some some preparation work mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. Uh, before we even consider that. So we, we try to, yeah. you know, make safety paramount. You know, I, I love about this is, is, you know, we all know as therapists that one of the most, the foundation of our work is creating a safe place, right? We can't, we can't Amen. get people to move forward if they don't feel safe in, in the environment. And I love from this, from the medical side, is that like, and, and the psychological side that you're setting people up that when they walk into this experience, which might be startling, probably is going to be startling, that there's a foundation that they are safe. And yep. that's always been like the missing link in psychedelics right. is, is you're doing it in like somebody's backyard or up in the mountains <laughs> right. or like at a party. And it's just like- <laughs> And who's facilitating? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. and, doing it by yourself. Yeah. And yeah. that's also what's kept them like in the dark and kept them misunderstood and you guys are creating this like amazing environment where like this is legit this is safe you yeah, are yeah, in yeah. a holding space where where you can you can let go it's you know? it's a core tenet of psychedelic therapy is it's has a term they call it set and setting mm-hmm. which set is short for mindset mm-hmm. and it's all about creating that safe place managing the anxiety of going into an altered state because that's a scary proposition for sure right um, so yeah, we definitely want to make a safe place. And, and I think that can help facilitate the ketamine opening the doors and for something to for come sure. out that might want to come out. Yeah. You know, we've got the metaphorical womb, if you will, mm-hmm. to hold that and yeah. keep you safe. So once someone is medically approved, you know, mental health looks, ego state feels good, then what happens? Sit them down in the chair and have fun. Is there anyone in the room with them? Like, how do you yes, guys facilitate yes. So that? when somebody is basically, when they're medically cleared and they're assigned to the integration specialist, we are actually, you know, there with them. We can be there through the intake process. We're working with them on their intentions. And this is very personal. It's very person-specific. Mm-hmm. And our role is to be there to support and if anything does come up, we are right there with you. You are not alone in the ketamine session, the ketamine treatment. So the routes of administration, you know, the trochees, as Tim mentioned, the sublingual, those are what that is, the intramuscular injection, and then, as Tim mentioned too, the infusion. Mm-hmm. So with the ketamine, the intramuscular, in the way that we do it, you're not going into the room alone. You're not sitting there for that entire period of time, which it really isn't that long, by the way. I mean, this mm-hmm. is we're talking about from the time of injection until you're starting to come out of this, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, I think that's huge because so many people are like, I don't want to feel out of control for eight yeah. or nine hours. And I... I try to help them conceptualize, like, actually, ketamine treatment is about 40 minutes to an hour. And and EJ and I experienced it. We went through a training, and we'll talk more about that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's so important because p- some people have this assumption that it lasts, like, 9 to 10 hours. No. And, no. <laughs> now, the that, openness, that's probably relieving yeah. for a the lot of people. The openness yes. can last a lot longer. Absolutely. And <laughs> the effects of what the ketamine bring up and just almost giving you a new set of eyes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you walk out feeling different. Yeah. But when you're in the ketamine treatment, 
somebody like myself would be sitting right there with you. And I know what your intention is. I'm watching you. I'm monitoring you as well. You know, some people might need a little extra support. And so we talk about, you know, appropriate touch. Do you need me to hold your hand? What would that sign be? So these are all things talked about prior to that first injection. And then while they're under, I'm right there with them. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I love to scribe and take notes because I like people to, you know, have something that they leave with. Sure. Like, oh, you grimaced at 1110, right. you know, or your hands moved and fluttered, you know, at 1120, you know, or whatever that yeah. looks like. And then afterwards, you know, something that they get to leave with. But the afterwards piece is really crucial. Because they can read that and then it's going to trigger... Uh, Something that happened in that experience that ketamine work, as I referred earlier, it's like dream work. And like dreams, it kind of fades over time. You lose contact with that altered state, what it was like to be there. So if you've got that transcription there, Mm -hmm. sometimes that can take you back. The playlist, music is essential in this work. It's kind of like if the ketamine is the boat that's taking you on your journey, the music is the wind that blows the sail. Mm -hmm. And and it doesn't have a necessary direction the boat's going to go where it's going to go, but the wind is what propels you. And so that yeah. music can really right. bring back stuff too. Yeah. This is one question I've been asked too. Like some of people that I try to describe it to, they're like, oh, are you like awake? Are you like up? Are you sitting down? Are you, again? Yes, right. yes, yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. So we make sure that we have, you know, really comfortable furniture for people to be able to lay down. This is a lay down experience Mm -hmm. with the intramuscular and even infusion. And I know in my experience, I could barely move my hands. I don't recall even thinking about my body anymore once I realized I can't move my hands. That all went away. And then coming out of it, it's important that I did have somebody who was right there asking me, what was this like for you? What came up for you? And then we can take that further. So they're in the room. It's very comfortable. Now we're talking about the setting, right? The mindset and then the setting. So as Tim mentioned, so we ask people, what kind of music would you like in the background? We give them the eye shades. So Mm -hmm. they're laying down and they can really get into their full experience on their own. And then even there, the scent piece, right? So is it Palo Santo? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's somebody might say, I like, you know, the smell of lavender. You know, could you m- maybe have some essential oils right near me? And all of these sensory factors that come together in the integration piece during treatment are crucial. Yeah. So as opposed to going into an infusion center and, you know, you're put into a comfortable space, hopefully, but that person that can hold your hand if something were to come up is really important and it's missing there. And then when they're done, yes, they're making sure you're medically cleared to be able to leave. But then, but then where what? do you go for yeah. the work? I have all this do? in my head. This amazing stuff has come up. What do I do with all of this? So my ADHD is going to kick in here. I've had something I want to say three times, and you just open the segue again. So before I forget a fourth <laughs> go, time, do run, it, Tim. run, right? Go, Tim. Um, go, Tim. The importance of the integration. One of the things that we're doing different, and I'm going to take this moment to give a shout out to Kate Kincaid at Tucson Counseling Associates. She did the training with us uh, when I did my training for ketamine assisted therapy, and she does some integration work here in town. So she's absolutely a, a recommended provider. But when I did the training with her. 
when I was um, having my experience, I remember at one point kind of coming to a little bit and lifting the eye shades because ketamine is a very internal experience. And mm -hmm. I think part of it is the anesthesia piece of it. It numbs the nerve endings in your body or whatever. So you start to lose that feedback that right. your body is constantly pinging for fight, flight, freeze sure. threats. Well, then what's your mind going to do with all that extra energy and all that extra free time? It wanders. And so I think ketamine different than other psychedelics. It's an internal experience. Wow. Whereas uh, MDMA and psilocybin stuff is much more external. Yeah, driven mm -hmm. by stimulus coming yeah, at you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, but one of the things I noticed when I looked up and we, you know, the room's dim because your eyes are really mm -hmm. sensitive and I could see Kate and I could see the facilitator and I could see um, another trainer that, that were practicing the therapist role and they were just sitting there, you know, kind of silent. And all I could see was their silhouette. And it was so cool. And for me, it was reminiscent. I kind of had this overlapped image. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like both were real of like these, the Chinese um, terracotta warrior statues. Mm. And there was something that was just so grounding and powerful like and kind of the essence of earth. Something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was so safe. And for me, I realized at that point, you know, the importance of not only having a person there, but somebody you have a therapeutic connection to, you know, how powerful that can be. And one of the things we're doing a little bit different at Cathexis is if another clinician uh, refers somebody to us or if a client we have has another therapist, we'll invite that therapist to come in and and be in the sitting room with them. That'll be something that the two of them have to arrange right. independently of us. Uh, but they're welcome to come in and participate that because there's something so important about having that shared experience together yeah. uh, for the integration piece. So That's great. there, now I said it and I can forget <laughs> it. No, and I, of course, is sharing after when EJ and I kind of share our experience, I want to piggyback on that because that to me was the most important piece. Well, let's, I mean, let's go ahead and I think it's a great opening to, you know, kind of talk about, you know, we were, um, you know, sort of graced with the opportunity to do, a, do some training with you and, uh, and, and go through this experience. And, you know, are you okay with Tara, like talking a little oh, bit about it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, first. Because it, well, that, the idea too was like, you know, couples and doing ketamine together and what would that experience be like? And so it was very new to me and I'm not one to like be in a, what's the word I want to use? Altered state of mind. Out of like, control. I don't like to be. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, I'll do it for the sake of the couples work we do. Yes, I will. But I was super nervous going in. Um, but then I went to see Tim and Susie's facility and, you know, saw Tracy there and we got to see the space and we met with the psychiatric nurse practitioner who did a great eval and assessment. And we were just like, good to go that day. And my heart rate was like 99 and yours was 45. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'm like, EJ is so calm and I'm uh, I mean, we, we definitely had different experiences going because you had hadn't had much of an experience with psychedelics no. I had when I was younger. Um, but I remember I keep thinking, like, first of all, the space is so comforting and mm. the chairs slash beds, whatever you want to call them, they're just really relaxing. And I remember like, I can't have any expectations because I, you know, I was like nervous going in. And so the practitioners kept saying like, what's your intention? And my intention was literally to have my heart open to whatever the heck happens. Mm -hmm. And even when I would get nervous, like when Heather came in and gave me my first injection, 
my heart was probably, my heart was probably like 109 by then. And I just kept imagining my heart being open, like just curious. And it's only 40 minutes. That's what I kept thinking. Like, it's going to be okay. And then I think having EJ next to me, we're going through it at the exact same time. That felt safe. And then Tim was sitting near EJ, who was about four feet from me, maybe. Probably. And then Tracy was sitting next to me. And guess what? I immediately knew you have to hold my hand, Tracy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she held my hand throughout my experience, which actually was very grounding for me. And then it just happened, right? And I, I won't go into too much content, but I will go into like the process for me was... And I'm hoping I don't cry because it was very profound for me, right? And I know every experience is unique, but I was basically able to, in my first treatment, go back to be me being a young kid. I was around eight and I was able to feel terror, which doesn't sound fun, but I felt safe. And so maybe my whole life I just could never feel terror because I'm really good at keeping busy to not probably feel that. But it was able to be expressed and I didn't even know it was there. And that was like the profound thing. Like when I woke up from it, I was like, I had no idea I was even holding on to that. Like I had no freaking clue. Mm-hmm. And it was true. Like when I woke up and I and I will say the one thing that still sticks out is when you wake up from it, I felt so freaking vulnerable. Like, here's my husband. Like, I'm crying throughout. Did, did you ever uh, take put your uh, picture of your eye shades on uh, Instagram? So my eye shades <laughs> look like a sweaty bra. First of all, they were like red satin. My little eye mask was red satin. And from the half down, it was soaked with my tears. <laughs> so I'm crying throughout. It was like a grief roller coaster. It's like I'd be going up the hill like, okay, that feels lighter. And then bam, going down the hill, experiencing that grief, terror, whatever it was. And I hear EJ to the side of me like laughing (laughs) and giggling. And I'm trying to caretake him in my ketamine session because I'm a caretaker. And Tracy, I remember, was like, just everything's okay. Focus on you. And I couldn't even caretake. My frontal lobe is not there. I couldn't do it, but I wanted to. I was like, I'm crying. I'm messing Mm -hmm. up with his. But no. But I will say that vulnerability you feel after, like EJ and I just cried together. I felt so, I mean, I always feel connected to EJ, but that safety and that vulnerability, I I don't think I could ever feel that vulnerable. Like it did take something like that shuts off certain things in my body to feel that profoundly open. And then, you know, I went home and kind of slept, you know, ate a big cheeseburger. <laughs> and then the next day and the next day and the next day, I like just memories kept happening, like in a really good way. I felt lighter. Wow. I felt so grateful that I could experience things that I didn't even know I was holding on to, like that somatic piece. I, was I, ha- just, I hadn't heard that from you. I, oh, yeah, I, I felt so grateful. And then yeah. and then I started to do the integration work with my own therapist. And then, you know, and then I went into, I knew the moment I woke up from that, the clinician and I were like, you're going to need a second one. I'm like, I know. Jesus, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did. I did a second one a week later. And holy moly, I was thinking like, okay, well, now I'll be in EJ's spot. Like I'll be I'll in be a giggling. rocket ship and I'll be like, woohoo. No, the second one. <laughs> Took me back to four years old. Again, a lot of maybe suppressed, repressed, unprocessed, whatever's stuck, right? The body keeps the score. It came out. 
And it was powerful and it was intense and it was terrifying. And it was beautiful at the same time because again, that core piece was like, I didn't even freaking know. And EJ was there and I felt so safe with him. And it's like we just had this better understanding of each other and my anxiety. I mean, you guys know I've talked on my podcast before, like highly anxious person. It's like all the puzzle pieces started coming together. and It was so amazing. And, and I'm going to disclose please. one little piece. Absolutely. Just Feel free. It, it just shows how the brain works. Like having that gone there and figured that out. Then you're like, I know why I don't like malted milk now. (laughs) And it made perfect sense when you, Mm -hmm. you know, when you shared how that tied in. The aversion to freaking malted milk. I know, right? And and who would think that that would have ties to trauma, you know? Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. It was incredible (laughs) for me. I mean, really insightful, but to me also like, Again, I didn't even know. So I realized like just how good I am and how good so many people are at not feeling uncomfortable, you know, because we don't want to. And it's like I took 40 years, maybe 43 years of grief and pain and trauma. And I was able to like experience a lot. I'm sure there's still more. I'm going to probably do a third. And I was able to process it in a very safe way place and then have my partner EJ help me integrate it and then my own therapist to help me integrate it and it's it's been I'm not, and I don't again I don't I know every person is different but it's been life changing for me I feel like it was trauma therapy like 10 years of trauma therapy in two freaking sessions it's it's almost like unbelievable to me that, well, the that, that I had that experience yeah it was really transformational for yeah. you and being from my side of it as an integration specialist to be a part of witnessing what you were going through and then to see how you and EJ were even connecting especially in the second session yeah. the second treatment It was, again, transformational. And I think about for couples who maybe each are stuck in their own places Mm -hmm. that create, you know, some maybe not the best habits towards one another and the intimacy, that intimacy that occurred between the two of you just being in that room and experiencing ketamine in your own ways. But then when Tara, like EJ knew to give you more support, yeah. And and to watch, like, as we were trying to connect your hands so you could hold <laughs> yeah. hands together, and Tim and I made a note, okay, we need to move the, the beds closer <laughs> together for couples, you know. Um, yeah. It was outstanding yeah, and, and amazing. And, you know, we also grow as integration specialists because of what clients are going through and what they're experiencing. And to be a part of that piece that breaks open and real work can be done in a way that moves somebody forward Mm -hmm. drastically. That's why I do what I do. See, I'm I'm really quick. I'm just, I want people to know this, right? Because even us, it's been a couple weeks now since I did my last treatment, but like, I still feel this profound gratitude. Hmm. And so thankful. And I'm not going to cry. <laughs> you but, can if you want But to. that's how powerful for me this experience yeah. was. 
I think like mm-hmm. that that obstructor of our infrastructure like worked works on two layers with the couples because it, it works on the layer of like you as an individual re- are receiving this treatment mm-hmm. and it's breaking down the ways mm-hmm. in which you sort of like hold it together slash avoid you know but then it also for Tara and I it it demolished some of the infrastructure in our relationship that we that all couples create that we mm-hmm. keep our, our you know we talk about this a lot in the podcast is we see, we perceive our partner as a threat often yeah and mm-hmm. because because we're so vulnerable because we love them because we want to be loved by them and we got all this crap going on all the time and so we build this infrastructure in the relationship that keeps us safe at times but then also keeps us very separate exactly mm-hmm. and then and so like in that moment with with Tara it was like well it obliterated it all because one, she was so, so vulnerable and open. My stuff like was just like blasted out of the way. And then there was this like really just like deep heart connection for like a half an hour. Yeah. But then, like you said, everything kind of comes back, life comes back to you, but it's just, we have this like shift thread or something's keeping with us around. Like I just find myself a little more soft a little more empathetic. One of the things, as I remember it, that you said, EJ, in that point was that you were grateful that like, because you were, you know, knee deep in the in the ketamine experience For yourself, sure. and you were able to kind of crawl out of that in a rather amazing way <laughs> to be present and give that extra support to Tara. And you, one of the things you said afterwards was, you know, kind of how grateful you were that you were able to be there for her. And as a contrast to maybe other times when some of these conflicts mm-hmm. that were really rooted in this unknown yeah. trauma right. that had, don't, had made understand. you, yeah, and you couldn't be there. And you're like, I'm really grateful I could be there for her and I haven't been there yeah. at those times in the past. And that really stuck with me. Yeah. And it wasn't oh, an understanding. I under- didn't even know that. Uh, it wasn't like a contextual understanding. It wasn't like the information I was learning was creating a cognitive process that then allowed me to feel more connected to her. It was a complete emotional thing. Yeah, I think it was, it's the vulnerability that was being expressed during the couple's session in this, you know, non-ordinary state of consciousness, right? And I think about attachment styles. We can be avoidant, you know, depending, anxious yeah. attachment, that all went away. All my avoidance was out the window. <laughs> and I got, it, pl- I it got plenty of away. it. And can, <laughs> can you have ketamine every day? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and that, that piece, to be able to bear witness to that piece with the two of you was also transformational for me. It it helped me to really see that we can pull down that ego defense, become vulnerable when normally we may not be doing that in our relationships. And the growth factor that happened for the two of you in those two sessions. And continues to happen every day. Far reaching. Exactly. Every day we talk about it. Every single day. Oh, Mm -hmm. I love hearing that. Yeah. No, we have was, to. Uh, I have to. It was that impactful for me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's still rolling out. You know, it, it's uh it's hard though sometimes. Like I've always felt this way about cathartic experiences, like that they're so amazing, like when they happen. And you just you're only touching it in a softer, more subtle way in the weeks after. But I've found like that this is Again, it's like it's preserved in a way that my other experiences in this realm have not preserved. Mm. And that might be where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. but it also I think is the environment and that it's not it's not something you're doing in in like a weird 
you know, sort of multi, <laughs> I don't know, like, like you, you are there to use this to figure your stuff out. To release, yeah, to release. Yeah. Well, when that vulnerability comes out and you have an integration specialist there that you can also work with afterwards, that connection is even more profound. Oh, yeah. You know, and the vulnerability that comes out of, you know, for some people, the ketamine experience, it does break down that avoidance attachment, uh, you know, that we've been living in for so long or, you know, anxious attachment, mm. whatever that is yeah. for each person. And we're with the person, the integration specialist who walked down the road with us. And there's such a bonding that comes from that, you know, in working with mainly, I'm, I mostly work with people with severe trauma. So more than likely, they've got a post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. disorder or treatment-resistant depression. And it's really challenging to get to the place yeah that we were able to get to with the two of you and then to break through that and to start to make those pieces of change that actually are what we want to be working on, yeah. you know, because again, that gatekeeper was gone and to work with somebody who's been there with you is unbelievable. And we're so focused on the gatekeepers. That's mm -hmm. all we treat. That's all we treat a lot of times in our in our therapy sessions is all we treat are the things That's that are right. the, the yeah. positive and negative infrastructure that they've created to avoid the stuff that this experience allowed us to just like jump into blast right to. Mm -hmm. So EJ, can I just ask you, because I know that we focused on mine and like how incredible and uncomfortable and scary and beautiful <laughs> it was. What was it like for you? Well, it, it was like, a, it was kind of like a, a tale of two stories, right? There was, because, <laughs> because it really is, like Tim said, it is a internal experience, mm -hmm. you know, like, and so when I was in the internal state, mostly in the first one, and then a, like about a quarter or so probably of the, of the second one, it was where I go. It was up in my head. It was like wrestling with like all of these you know, core beliefs that I have about the world that limit me, but in a really like expansive, the only thing I don't want to like, the, I've thought about many times, like I think of like Gandalf in that scene where he's like fighting the demon and they're like going through space. Like, mm -hmm. like it was like an intergalactic battle against <laughs> all of my negative thoughts. And then the, the minute I would find myself gripping, there would just be something I was allowed to let go and I never let go. I I never let go in my life. I'm always, but nobody knows it. You know, I'm, I, I got this like calm exterior, but I'm inside my head, like fighting con continually. That's such an interesting yeah. metaphor or image that you have, because in that storyline, that's when Gandalf the gray becomes Gandalf the white. So it's really <laughs> a scene of transformation wow. mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of of coming out of the cocoon and becoming the, the butterfly. It feels like it. I mean, and, and it's exactly where I was walking into the work, but it like it gave me like an actual like experience of it instead of it just being fighting it inside my head, yeah. Yeah. fighting the fight in there. It was like I was there and then I was able to let go. And so so in that level, it was incredible incredible uh internally and then the second where i was sort of more plugged into you it was just incredibly connecting mm -hmm. i mean it was just incredibly you know it's just it's it's emotional to think about it, it was just I like i just felt such more deeply connected than i've ever 
felt with you and just empathetic Did and loving you. of your and loving of your strength and like I was able to be there too, like in ways that like sometimes I get frustrated myself that I'm not able to be there for you. Like I felt I was able to be there in exactly the way you needed to be there. And maybe the first time I've ever really felt that way. Wow. That's amazing. And and now it feels like triggers shit. We don't, what is that, man? We don't even, come on. It's nice because we still got it. We still got our stuff. We still get into arguments. It's lighter though. But there, yeah, there's something like this, just like (laughs) there's a, there's a click and yeah, an, an important click, click that's a good that we that we way. made, and yeah. so mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you guys for, for facilitating <laughs> that experience. Thank for you for sure. thank for you. doing what you're doing because this is like, you know, there's a lot of suffering out there. If we can find better and better ways, and the research is so incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, I say thank you for trusting us mm-hmm. because that's where it starts, and both of you did, and you walked into it with really open minds as to whatever the experience would be. Mm-hmm. You know, something. On a personal level, I'm hoping my oldest is now non-binary. Um, but for them right now, that's the next step is for us to look at mm-hmm. ketamine because of the treatment-resistant depression. Wow. And they've been in therapy. They've been doing the work. You know, I'd like to be mom and not a therapist. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, really Absolutely. need to pull back and, and let them figure things out. But we can see clearly now that this is going to be the next step for them. And it's because they have also done their own research and recognize that they want to feel and live in today's world instead of behind the gatekeeper, the fears, all of that. And so we're here for all of that. I'm interested to know how it's been for the two of you coming back to work and working with couples. Oh my gosh. To me, I feel like I'm, I've always felt like I can hold space and really attune, like that's just a gift I have. But Mm -hmm. I feel like there's this deeper connection to suffering and what might be there that I actually, because I, like, I've been through my own therapy. I've been through my own EMDR. I've been through psychodrama. Like, didn't even know it was there. Like I, and I know what the brain does. I mean, I'm a total brain nerd. Like I had no idea. I had an idea from like, you know, the psychoeducation on trauma that I know, but I had no idea like how it could just be stuck in there like that for so many years, even after I've done the work. And so I'm just like, I'm more curious, I'm more understanding. And I feel like I just go in with a little bit deeper of mm-hmm. appreciation. Thank you. Yeah. That and it's been significantly different how I am sitting in sessions now with clients, like just because of my own experience. Not that me sitting in sessions before was a bad thing, people. Okay, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but it's expanded for it's you. Expand because I've expanded, right? Yeah. And I I want right. to shout out like ketamine for all. I can't do that <laughs> because, but it's just like you know with people who have profound success in EMDR treatment. Like, you know, I remember this one client was like, I just want to walk down the sidewalk and be like, everyone needs to do EMDR. And I feel that way about ketamine, Mm -hmm. you know, if it feels safe. And if you have, you know, that environment where you feel like, yeah, I can handle whatever happens and I'm strong enough and I'm brave enough and I can, I got this. I just sounded like Stuart Smiley on Saturday Night Live. Is that his name? Yeah. There's the mirror. (laughs) I'm smart enough. Okay. And what about for you, E? Uh, it was an accelerant and an ongoing like sort of confirmation that 
that if I just can sit in that place of stillness, I can trust the direction that I just will go. You nice. Know? And, and, and that for me is really important in, in therapeutic work mm-hmm. is that I'm not up in my head. I'm not solving their yeah. problems, but I just have that, you know, I trust that when I open my mouth, when I hear what, what they're saying, that it's going to go in a direction of them moving away from suffering, letting go. I don't know. It's just like trust, I would say, is the big thing mm-hmm. is that like, man, I, is I can't like intellectually muscle my way into trust in that yeah. this is a safe world That's right. and that there is good and that people can, that their resting state is wellness. Yeah. It's almost, it sounds like a, a stronger appreciation to use that word again, Yeah, that we all have that inner healer yeah. and mm-hmm. that if we give it space, yeah. mm. it'll, it'll go in the right direction. Yes. And the inner voice, the inner knowledge that comes up, and if we can trust that and And be vulnerable. And help them get there, help them see that they have all the answers. I'm just a therapist. I'm just a guide. They have all the answers. They're there. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. there. How Mm -hmm. do we... I have to share just one thing that happened because, yes, it was um, intense and amazing and all those things, but I remember at one point, it was in the second treatment, it only lasted for a second. And I'm pretty sure the words that came out of my mouth were, duh. It was like, here I was. I felt like I was in a planetarium and all of a sudden it was just like me with the world and I was like one with it, not separate. And I literally felt that. Yeah, there it is. Duh. (laughs) I think that's what I said. Like, it was just like I felt totally connected to the universe, mm-hmm. to the world, whatever. You know, it was crazy. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the scientific research that they've done, particularly with sheep, I believe, is when you get into the higher dissociative state doses of ketamine, it tends to block, I think it's the singular cortex, I believe, was the piece of the brain. But basically, it's the self-referential piece of the brain, which is where our, our concept of self happens, mm-hmm. that gets stilled. So we start to lose, that's what they call the K-hole, where you, and you go through what they call ego death, where you start to lose your sense of yourself as an individual. And so you have these, you'll see uh, themes of space or yeah, of oceans are very common in, in a ketamine experience with that. And that's where you're getting into the deeper psychedelic experience part of it. And wow. there's something about that, you know, when we're talking about altered state that... Mm-hmm. When you don't have that sense of self, it, it's almost like this Buddhist radical detachment to the nth yeah. degree. And yeah, it just changes your perspective on who you are, how you interact with the world. Yeah. And it's almost like I couldn't get there until all these other things came out. Yeah. It's like a layered thing. It's like, okay, get rid sense. of that, get rid of that. And then, okay, I'm ready. Well, and with the two of you being parents also, what have you noticed in your own parenting styles? I mean, I feel like I'm just, my heart is just open. I'm loving. I'm taking every single second and just soaking it up. Mm -hmm. Just everything feels more present, I guess. And so I can be, you know, usually when I get home from work and I've held space all day for couples and individuals and the twins are like, can we play family charades or whatever it is? I'm like, (laughs) no. Now I'm like, here's a charade for you, kid. <laughs> charade is go to bed and pretend like you're sleeping, and then I'll come check on you in eight hours. But now I just feel like I just want to come home and be with them. And we've been reading books together. And like, I just don't Aww. have that like exhaustion. Like, 
Right. It's like something just broke through and I got to, it fractured for me and it, I just feel way more whole, right? Instead of being in this narrative like, no, I'm too overwhelmed. I can't do this. It's like, absolutely. I've, I can still be tired. I can still be like spent from the day, but like, I'm not in this story that would definitely limit me in many other areas. Mm-hmm. So I've, okay. So long answer to a question. I feel more present as a parent. Yeah. Great answer. For me, it's like, if I'm not wrestling inside my head myself, then I stop wrestling everybody else. Oh, and nicely so I'm, put. I'm feeling like a lot less, like I got to control this environment. I got yeah, I got to manage this conflict between these two people. I got to make sure this person makes the right decision for their schooling. You know, it's not that I'm detached and don't care. It's just like, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not fighting it as much. It's not your responsibility. It's not, and it's not helpful. It's just like, it's grippy. You know, it's really, it's continuing to confront me with like, let go, let go. From codependence go. to healthy interdependence with working ketamine. On, working on it. I like it. It's like right. another podcast. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, this has been uh, stimulating. It's been personally moving. Absolutely. Um, it's yeah. just fun. Like we just, we, we love connecting with you guys because, yeah. because, you know, I think, I feel like our hearts are all, our hearts are in the same place and I, and our, our heads are in the same place too, That's which is, right. which is kind of cool. Um, so, well, I appreciate being here. This yeah. has been amazing. Yeah, I had absolutely. some nervousness that I shared beforehand <laughs> Um, and EJ really did a great job in his next email to me about <laughs> setting the stage for me, right? This is what the setting looks like. This good. is what will happen. Yeah. And it brought me a lot of relief. And I'm uh, really glad that I'm here. Yeah. It gave us set and setting. It did. It gave <laughs> us set and setting. <laughs> Thank right. you. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely. We'll talk more. So, um, you know, uh, Tim and Tracy from Cathexis Psychedelics. T&T. We'll definitely put up in our show notes, uh, you know, just some general information maybe you can share about uh, Ketamine, uh, but also about your center and about what you guys mm-hmm. are doing and how people can contact you uh, as a business and, and as professionals. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure. I, I thank you. you. I, I know like I, I've said it before about like you guys literally are facilitating like transformational change for individuals, for couples, for families, right? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Tara, for going on that journey because it was oh. it's been really positive for us and you're obviously an incredibly brave person. Thank you. I Did agree. I? Thank right. you. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We always appreciate your feedback, uh, what you like, uh, what you'd like to hear more about. Please feel free to reach out to us, uh, you know, via all of our social media. And as always, just take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.